Yun da 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 dun 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 da 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 dun 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 da run da dun 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 da da G'day, how are ya? You all good? This is Aiden Jones here. Hello. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the fourteenth of June. 2022 and i'm feeling good it's cold i'm back home in melbourne i'm in that oh did you hear my voice jump there that was because i put my hand on my chest as i said melbourne (laughs) melbourne isn't that the most melbourne fucking shit you've ever heard in your life i'm back home here in melbourne the greatest fucking city in the goddamn world but it is argue with me fight me i know it's not the best man but we fucking love it don't we I've got a theory on why people in Melbourne love Melbourne so much. It's because they're all from Adelaide. <laughs> it's because everyone in Melbourne who's like, Melbourne's the best. It's because they came from Adelaide. <laughs> and they don't even really think Melbourne's the best. They just want people to not know that they're from Adelaide. <laughs> and what's that theory based on? My own conversations with myself in my head and no external inputs whatsoever but that's enough that is enough for a theory mate tea's still a bit hot oh god it's so cold man i'm loving it i don't know who what's wrong with you if you don't like the cold you know like if it's cold and it's not raining honestly what more could you fucking ask for you're not sweat man i was reading about like in uh what is it in nevada is it Las Vegas? Somewhere out in the States, man. And they're having like, it hasn't dropped below 38 degrees in like a week or some shit. You can't tell because it's like 110 or whatever the fuck they call it. So it's like, you can't even understand what they're talking about. That's sort of, how fucked is your country when like people are complaining about stuff and you need to do like maths to understand how bad it is. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. They use another system of measurement to us. Um, <laughs> so it's been like it's been like thirty eight degrees and like all through the night, and people's like you know air conditioning is fucking up. It's one guy. Oh, what was it? He was like he had to get up early to make beans at like four a.m. to like cook a fucking bean whatever. At 4am because it's too hot to cook in his house in the daytime. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god, man. That country is fucked. And everyone's trying to go to the library, but then it closes, you know, like after the daytime. Like, you know, it's only open in the day. So like at night, you're just fucked again. And meanwhile, I read in another article. It's, you know, it's... Uh, it's whatever it's it's uh baseless opinions and and facts today um i read in another article that america is no longer the like most desired place for high wealth individuals to go that like 15 percent of russia's millionaires have left and they're all going to the uae they're all going to dubai is that uae wherever dubai is they're going to dubai and they're not going to america anymore and all of this information is conspiring to have me believe that 
America's fucked, but I want to go there so bad. Anyway, how are you guys doing? I hope you're okay. I hope your week has been good. My week has been great. I actually feel really relaxed after coming back from Sydney, got back on Sunday. Oh, mate, had my fucking second virgin gold experience. Even better than the first. The sequel is just as good as it turns out. And um, I got there early. My flight was at 8, but I made sure I got there with plenty of time because I wanted the breakfast. And I'd heard tell, uh, you know, through a magical whisper on the wind that they do breakfast down at the Virgin Lounge at Sydney Airport. And breakfast consists of bacon. And then you stop right there. That's all you need to know. Bacon, mate. There's bacon in the goddamn breakfast. So, yeah, I'm getting up at 5.30. And there was bacon and there was eggs, scrambled eggs, fucking uh, like a granola yogurt little pot thing, coffee, coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I've only had one today. How about that? And what else did they have? So I had all of that. And I had a fucking uh, a croissant with jam in the middle. Fucking hell, man. All for free. All of that would have cost like easy 20 bucks, 25 bucks if I had gone to a place, you know? And how much more expensive is the Virgin flight than the other flight? And you also get tea on a Virgin flight. So, yeah, that was amazing, man. I've been thinking about booking my flights for... Um, I've been thinking about booking my flights for like when I go to Barcelona at the end of July and then onto the Edinburgh Fringe. Do I book Singapore Airlines? I think does um, like their lounges are available if you've got Virgin Gold and the flights are like 250 more, but it's like with three stopovers because it's still a shitty cheap flight. And I'm like, man, do I do it? Three lots of lounges, you know? I'm looking at Scoot, which like you don't even get a fucking baggage allowance. You literally get, you don't even get cabin bags. You have to pay for cabin bags if you get Scoot. I looked at that. I was just like, I'm, I'm not a fucking child, you know? I look, There was a Scoot one for like 915 bucks that would get me to Barcelona. And then I went to book it and they were like, do you want cabin bags? That's an extra $85. I'm like, what the fuck? Aren't we going on the plane already? Why is that more money? I mean, you know why it's more money. It's marketing. They put the initial price low so you've committed in your mind to buying and then they sell you all the shit afterwards so it doesn't even cost that much cheaper and they treat you like a fucking pig, man. They herd you in there like a fucking barnyard animal and they look at you like you're scum. One of them once said to me, I fucking hate you. That's not true, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, that's what it feels like when you go on... Fu- Scoot was the flight that I got from Berlin. I think it was Berlin to Singapore in nineteen uh, in, tw- in 2019, in 1937. <laughs> it was Berlin to Singapore. <clears throat> and it was like, they made me pay for water. That's right. Oh, I swore on my on my fucking grandma's life I would never ride on that plane again. And I almost did. I almost let them flummox me into riding again with their cheap initial prices. I went from Berlin to Singapore in 2019 after I watched my fucking team lose the Champions League final just before I quit drinking. I was a wreck. I was having heart palpitations. I was feeling guilt, you know. 
I was just a, a shame spiral. And I got on the flight and this couple that was sitting next to me had uh, they'd packed like in bags like a bunch of food and shit. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of smart. You know, get around the fucking the prices on the plane. They'll probably jack the prices up. And then I get on the plane. There's no food. You don't get any food unless you've got a credit card, which I don't have a credit card, so you can't pay in the air without a credit card. And they're going around selling water. I didn't have water from Berlin to Singapore. Fuck. Eventually, I got one of them to fucking, like, one of the staff to just give me a glass of water. I was, like, in one of the back rows. And they gave it to me, like, please don't tell anyone. (laughs) Please don't tell anyone that I did this. They've got my kid in a holding cell in Alabama. They're going to shoot him in the head if I give anyone water. I fucking... So, yeah, I'm not going scoot. Is That's the point of that story. And I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go Singapore. It's an extra 250 but I think it's worth it. And it, that's not to say that I can have the money and can afford that. I can't. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have enough money to be making those kind of decisions based on comfort. However, I think I'm going to do it anyway because I deserve to have a nice flight. <clears throat> Virgin, man. I'm so psyched on this. Girl. You know what? It works. The whole point... Oh my God, it is working, isn't it? The whole point of their like loyalty program is to make sure that you stay loyal to their airline and you're willing to pay a bit more money. And look at me go. I am. They gave me gold and now I'm like, fucking get me in those lounges on Singapore. I'm going to look up what airlines are partnered with Virgin and then heavily favor those airlines when I book my international flights. The system works. Well done, Richard Branson. You've pulled the wool over my eyes again. So the flights were good, got back on Sunday, didn't do work, I was going to do work, I got back, I was like, I don't need to fucking do that, man, it's fine. I really do have this, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot lately, but I really do have this compulsion to just work, don't I? Like, I just flagellate myself emotionally, I'm like, I got to, I was planning to like get off the flight and, you know, put my fucking shirt on and go straight back to work. And I landed, I was like, I'll clean my room first. And then after an hour of cleaning my room and getting everything nice, I was like, well, I don't need to work. Why would I do that? Why don't I just relax for a day? I went to the shops. I got some chicken breasts. Oh, man, this is funny, actually. <laughs> I said to my housemate, I was like, man, let's, um, I'll cook you dinner, you know? I'm back. Um, and uh, the other two that are vegan, they're like, one of them's not really here at the moment. And the other one uh, just was like doing her own thing that night. So I was like, I said to my remaining housemate who's not vegan, let me cook you dinner. It'll be sick. So I went out and got some chicken breast, got a cauliflower. I was going to, the plan was I'm going to make, I'm going to make a, uh, fuck, what's it called? What's the pasta called when it's creamy with chicken and bacon? Carbonara. I want to make a chicken. I want to make a carbonara with just like baked chicken breast on the side, yeah. So I go, but I'm going to change the instead of pasta, I'm going to put cauliflower because I just like some one sentence on the internet while I was looking up recipes, someone just said cauliflower's got less carbs than pasta, and I was like, well, fucking all right. Well, okay. 
Let me replace that. I didn't see a recipe for cauliflower carbonara, but I just fucking made that up in my head, man. I just fucking... I was, I was in one place, and then I read a thing, and then all of a sudden, mentally, I was in a different place, you know? That is the power of language. So cauliflower carbonara, that's what we're doing. So I go out and I get the stuff. And uh, I didn't even buy any like speck or bacon or anything because I was like, I reckon just, I reckon like cheese and egg and salt and pepper and some spices and like an onion, you know, and some cauliflower. That tastes, that sounds pretty good. Like, what does it need the bacon in there for? I mean, obviously, bacon's phenomenal, but like, let me, you just take a step back from the fatty meats, you know, chicken breast. Not fatty. Watch the cholesterol. Care about yourself. So, no bacon in the in the carbonara. But anyway, I've got this big fucking. I go to the markets. I got this big, big fucking cauliflower, bruh. <laughs> so I fucking not got a big one, mate. <clears throat> and you know the leaves go over the top. You get a cauliflower, and it's like got those big ass leaves. And the leaves went right over the top of the thing. I was like, this is a good one. And, you know, I've read about the price of vegetables being more. So I was like, I don't know. I just, I felt proud. I was like half of them. It felt like in the greengrocers down in Coburg Market, like there were some vegetables that were missing. I was like, where are those ones? What ones were on that shelf? Where'd they go, mate? All these fucking supply chain, COVID fucking, you know, it's all fucked. So... I was proud of my my uh, cauliflower and I brought it home and I'm unpeeling these leaves. There was no collie peeking up out of the top. It was just leaves, you know, and I'm like, this is nice. I get to like unwrap my little prize here. And I'm so fucking chaotic when I cook, man. Like I've got to cook. I've got to cook the chicken. I've got to, I've got to brine the chicken. I like put salt and water and then like put the chicken in that and then chucked it in the fridge. So I'm brining it. That's that's how you brine a chicken breast apparently uh read that online as well just after i read the thing about the carbs a lot of learning on sunday so so i uh, i'm brining the chicken i sit down and play sieve with my brother for an hour that was nice and then i get back up and i'm like all right i've got to cook this i've got the chicken i've got the cauliflower i've got to get the egg and the cheese ready in the bowl. I've got to prep all of my shit so that then I can turn the heat on and just go. So I'm unwrapping the cauliflower and I'm like leaf, leaf, leaf. And I'm like putting those ones to the side, leaf, more leaf. I get like 10, 15 layers of leaf in and I'm like, I'm not seeing any collie here. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a second. Spinach is pretty big as well, isn't it? Like spinach. <laughs> Like a full spinach, that's like the same size as a head of cauliflower. So there's a very good to, as I unwrap leaf by leaf, increasing probability that I've not bought a cauliflower here, have I? What I've bought is a fucking spinach. <laughs> so now I'm like, well, fuck. What, what's the carb? How carby is spinach? Has that got carbs in it? How does that stack up with pasta? Can you even compare the two? What's going on? Not a lot. Clearly. I've just got this fucking spinach in my goddamn kitchen. And now I'm down a cauliflower. 
dinner plans hang in the balance. So um, I made a snap decision. That's what leaders do. If you're a leader, you'll know. (laughs) Any leaders out there will be familiar with this kind of decision-making process. I saw the spinach. I, I understood that it was spinach. And I said to myself, Aiden, you really got two choices here. You can put your fucking little boots back on and you can go down the shops and you can buy a cauliflower. And that's if they have cauliflower. They had it at Coles, whatever. But who knows? Maybe there's been a rush. You know, it is Sunday after all. It's a long weekend. God save the queen. So you could do that or... Aiden, you could just stay right here and fucking make a hard left turn, all right? And that's what I decided to do. I said, what what does cauliflower have that spinach doesn't have, you know? And I'm sick of people deriding spinach as not good enough, as not enough. You are enough, spinach. So uh, I cut the spinach. I just, I'm like, well, fucking to hell with all of this. <laughs> To hell with all of this, I've, all the leaves that I've unpeeled. I'm like, you guys have just gone from superfluous to now, th- this is the... It was. I was peeling back the leaves and I was like, these are rubbish. And then when I realized it was spinach, I was like, oh no, that's the thing that I bought. I bought leaves. Spinach is just a big ball of leaves, isn't it? So um, that's what like jasmine pearls are. Did you ever see jasmine pearls? They're like little rolled up leaves of jasmine. It's just jasmine spinach. Any leaves rolled into a ball. You know when you scrunch up a fucking, like a bit of paper when you're writing, you know, a poem about your lost love and then you go, oh, that's no good. Oh, damn these metaphors. And you rip out the paper and you scrunch it up. That's just paper spinach, isn't it? What other things can be spinach? When you, um, when you, (laughs) when you, when you uh, use like a sock to mop up all of the, um, gooey you know remnants of 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 last minute's shameful shameful bedroom activities and then you you mop it up with a sock and you scrunch the sock up and you throw it onto the floor that's a that's jizz spinach <laughs> i cut the spinach down the side and uh, I was I baked the spinach is what I did. I put it in a tray, olive oil and salt, chucked it in the oven, baked, roasted, whatever I did. That's what I did with it, just to soften it up a bit. Meanwhile, the chicken is also, you know, it's like I've got a bunch of spices in it. And then uh, I pulled the spinach out. And I did the fucking, I put some like red onion in the pan, garlic, garlic? No, I didn't even use garlic. I put garlic with the chicken. I didn't even put garlic with the, no, I did put garlic in the, uh, I did, I did, I did, I did. I put garlic in the um, carbonara and put the onion, put the garlic. I can't remember if I put anything else. And then I did the fucking, put the spinach in there, the the fucking eggy cheese over the top, slowed it down, you know. Let it cool off before I did that so you don't get scrambled egg. I had the fucking chicken in the oven. Long story short, the piece was a success. Me and my man, my fucking housemate, we had it. It was sick. You know what I realized? The only problem that I have now that I got to think about when I'm making dinner is like a bit of presentation because I put the chicken breast on the plate and I put the spinach carbonara next to it so they were just next to each other and it just looks like shit. 
But if I just put the bed of spinach carbonara on the bottom and put the chicken breast on top of it, suddenly, you know, we're in business. It looks good. It genuinely looked good. When I had them side by side, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit ashamed of it. I was like, who do I think I am serving this up to my my beautiful housemate and friend, you know? It's not good enough. And then I just, he was like, well, you know, if you just put it on top. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me just put it on top. And then I was like, you know what? It is good enough. In fact, you're not good enough for me. <laughs> I've, gone from, I've gone from down on myself to get away from me. You're not good enough for me. My food in little towers, like on black books. Oh man, that was a great. I, I that that's like one of my prouder moments, the pivot from cauliflower to spinach. I was really happy with that. So that was Sunday, beautiful dinner. Went out, went to watch some comedy at Voltaire. Ended up getting a spot. That was cool. Um, still not feeling super, man, I'm actually in a weird place with my act at the moment or with my new shit. I don't have a lot of new stuff and feeling like I just don't have anything as opposed to a few weeks ago when I was feeling like I'm on top of the world. I've got a bunch of new shit to say right now. I'm feeling like I just don't have that many jokes. You know what I did at the weekend? Fucking at the started a great week at the comedy store, such good gigs, but I just made a bad decision and it's a bad decision that I've made you know countless times over and fucking over again always which is that I just I get so arrogant man I get this idea that like okay I'm in at this place now so I should uh rather than just keeping on trying to do my best every time I should um you know, mess around a bit and that'll be like, I'm such a great performer that that'll be good entertainment for these people who have paid money. And it's like, no way, then you should be doing the fucking best shit. I've got to, I've got to make sure like with all of this talk that I'm doing about like doing shows in the country and those are going to be hopefully where I make more money, these regional shows and touring my own shows and stuff. If those are the focus of my process creatively, to those of like the end point that's great but that doesn't mean that i should be kind of sublimating the other gigs that i get where i'm still being paid but i'm doing shorter sets they shouldn't be sacrificed and the quality of those shouldn't be sacrificed just because that's not where i make the majority of my money because i'm still making good money there and a gig in front of 300 people at the comedy store in sydney is a, a, a great opportunity to go on and do seven minutes of my best stuff. And for some reason, I just wasn't doing that. That's not where my mind was. But the great and, and hilarious Bart Freeban and I were walking to the gigs every night and chatting. And on the last night, on, in between the first and second show, I was backstage and I was just like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do on this second show. And he was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean you don't know what you're going to do on the last show of the week? Just do your fucking best shit, man. Just do it. Jesus. And he said, you know, he said, your fucking brain, man. Like it's, you know, beautiful brain, but chaotic. It's the chaos. And he's right, man. It's like I should know what, what fucking material I'm doing. And I should be doing all the sets that week should be the same set and I should just be working on that and, and fucking hitting that really hard. So I want to do that next time. I want to have a bit more discipline and I feel like I go through this all the time, you know. 
<clears throat> periods of like, I need more discipline. And then other periods are like, I need to be more free. But I do, man. When I'm doing gigs like that, when I'm getting paid and I want to do well, I should be more disciplined and I should be doing my best jokes. And, and where I'm at now is I don't really feel like I know what my best jokes are. The set that I had there was good. You know, the jokes are all right. I'm not, they're not 100% those bits. And uh, I'm just, I'm really, I'm in the market for a new bit, man. I'm in the market for a new fucking, a new closing bit or something. I had an idea the other day about like, I just, I want to talk about all these people on um, on TikTok who are commenting on my jokes about being Colombian going like, fuck you, like they're offended, you know, because they're Latin American and I'm making jokes about being Colombian. And it's true, but like the ones that really hurt me are the ones that go like, that they're they're calling me like a simp for white people, you know. People are saying like, "Oh, this guy's just." It's there was one that was like, "It's almost sad. He's so desperate for the white people to like him," and it's like, "I'm not desperate for white people to like me. I'm desperate for everyone to like me." And it just so happens, growing up in Australia, that white people are the people who I'm. They're the people who are generally in front of me. So when I'm practicing, like going over and over again, and and you know, like when I'm figuring out how to say things that make the people in front of me laugh, it happens that those people are white people, so I'm going to say stuff that makes white people laugh. But they haven't thought about that, of course. They're just angry, but I'm really fucking angry at them because I'm like, where the fuck were you when I was growing up, when I was a fucking, you know, mixed-race person? Where the fuck were you to be in front of me to fucking let me know that other stuff can be... Like... You're just coming in now. It's like, I've been around white people my whole fucking life, cunt. And now you're going like, you're a traitor. I'm like, I'm not a fucking traitor. Oh, listen, I'm, I'm angry. I'm angry about that. So anyway, yeah, that's what I want to do a bit about. <laughs> God, does that sound like a funny bit? <laughs> Me just screaming, oh, I'm not a traitor. I'm not a fucking traitor. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I had a good week, man. I had a really relaxing week in Sydney. I, um, I've i almost finished my book on Steve Jobs, the biography of Steve Jobs. Did I talk about that last week, about how he used to cry in meetings? That's so funny to me. He's like, It's an interesting book to read because the like you know, lefty people who I usually, um, like the circles that I usually run in, progressive left-wing people. Steve Jobs is just by dint of being a, a, a white man who was like, you know, I guess a bit of an asshole. I mean, he was an asshole. But also because he's a white man who's an asshole, people are like, you're going to read that? Like, I guess it's not a book that a lot of people who I know would be interested in reading because they're like, he is the epitome of a white man, isn't he? He's a white man from America who succeeded in business, became a billionaire and spawned one of the biggest companies in the world. Um, I guess people aren't interested in hearing that story. I am. That's an amazing story. How is that not interesting? The guy who spawned one of the biggest companies in the world. You don't want to hear about that? You want to hear about some fucking Colombian? <laughs> you know? <laughs> fucking, I got, I got to stop. I got to stop. That's not what I want to be. But like, it's, in, it's inherently interesting to hear about someone. I mean, all stories are interesting, surely. 
the joke that I was about to make was going to be to denigrate someone's story that's not, you know, whatever. But, like, this person who's created one of the biggest companies ever, it's, it's obviously an interesting story. I mean, it's got to be. There's only a few companies that are that big. So it's, by definition, a unique story. So why wouldn't you want to hear about it? And here I am defending my choices of what book to read rather than tell you about the book. Gee, how fucking insecure am I? So, so, so. The book's good. He's a very flawed man. Uh, he was adopted at 23, which I didn't know. And that stayed with him his whole life and the fear of abandonment and abandoning other people. And I kind of resonate with that. Um, with my dad's situation, you know. <clears throat> it's, um, yeah, I always see myself, like I always draw parallels, you know, when you read about someone else's life or hear about it, part of you is just like keeping score about how they were doing versus how you're doing. I'm like, maybe I'll start one of the biggest companies in the world. There's still time. <laughs> um, that coupled with the work that I'm doing lately, going into small businesses and talking to the business owners is really, and this book, like the way Steve Jobs, like his whole thing was starting companies. He just wanted to start companies and that was what he got a kick out of was like starting a company, creating products and then marketing them to a mass market. And he, he evidently sees everything as like starting companies. And... Um, it's a good way to look at things, I think. I mean, maybe there are downsides to it, like the dehumanization of people and, you know, commodification of everything and capitalism and whatever. But that aside, <laughs> it is like it's cool to, you know, think about like how can I take the things that I'm good at and my skills and use those to create wealth. I mean, I don't think he was looking to... He was obviously... He was a ruthless businessman. The way that he... There's one line in there that I really like where he's talking about some negotiations between him and another guy. The other guy came to him and basically put all his cards on the table and was like, look, we're in a weak position. You know that. I know that. So let's negotiate with that in mind. And Steve Jobs was quoted as saying, like, I really like that he did that, you know, putting all your cards on the table. It's not something that people often do in negotiations but he did that and and I quite like to do that as well so I, I really respected that he did that and I liked it and then the author of the book just as a note afterwards is like actually Steve Jobs didn't like to do that in fact he often did the opposite of that when he went into negotiations with people his starting point was to walk in and tell them that their products were shit <laughs> which is so funny to me like the guy clearly had delusions, very strong, like persistent delusions about who he was. But then at the same time, like if people challenged him on his delusions, he would like if he if he thought that they were coming from a good place or if he could see what they were saying, he would back down. And like he kind of knew, like he liked people making fun of the fact that he had these delusions. They call it his reality distortion field that he would just say things that were clearly not true and, and make deadlines that were impossible to meet to get people to work harder. And when people really pushed back, he liked it. So there must be a part of him that knows that it's not true. It's like double think, isn't it? Like he allows himself to be deluded while also knowing that he is deluded. A very interesting person to read about. And um, 
Yeah, just like he seemed like he was crazy, but like he had a sense of humor about himself. But then he also didn't. They're talking about maybe, you know, a bit bipolar or um, like uh, borderline personality disorder, that kind of thing. I mean, who knows? But yeah, when he was younger, he was so emotional in his 20s when he was first at Apple. And he was very like, he was a hippie kind of dude. So I guess not afraid of expressing emotion. And he gets so worked up about the products that they were creating and the way that he thought it needed to be. He would be screaming at people in meetings. And then it would say in the book, like he screamed and he yelled at them. And then he started crying. <laughs> it's like He's crying in a fucking meeting. The head of the company is... I can't imagine that. I mean, it's such a... It's such a low status, low power thing to do, isn't it? To cry. It's. I guess it's seen as weak to give in to your emotions, to allow your emotions to be your master and have power over you. But it's not weak, right? We all have emotions. Anyway. It's a great book and I'm almost done. The best part of the book was actually... I think the the first and the second part, because in the third part, I mean, he's going to die soon, but he's got cancer and he, he thought that he could, you know, have delusions about having cancer and make those reality as well. Not true. Um, but the third bit, he's just winning. He's just bringing out all these incredible products and everyone loves him, you know, and it's great, but it was more interesting when he was struggling and fighting. That was the interesting parts of the story. The first act, which is when he was at, Apple first but the products were kind of failing and he was a little bit too raw and rough around the edges and then the second act where he's in away started a few other companies next and Pixar and he's doing well but he's away from the company that he started and then his third act returning to Apple triumphant I mean it's really like a it's a very Christian story it's an incredible story I'm loving it um but yeah, it's just got me thinking about businesses, I guess. And, and, and like, so one of the big things at Apple, the third tenet of the Apple Corporation was impute. He always wanted people to impute. Impute greatness. Now, I don't know what the word impute means. So let's find out. Impute. Represent, uh, represent, represent, fucking hell, represent as being done or possessed by someone. Attribute the crimes imputed to Richard. Okay, so like a the crimes imputed to Richard assign a value to something by inference from the value of the products or processes to which it contributes by imputing the interest rates they potentially introduce a measurement error i don't really understand those sentences but to my understanding impute as a word means like um oh what's the word like like if you impute greatness you do things that someone great would do it's kind of like a fake it till you make it thing and so that was one of the things that Apple, so when they did, when they made Apple stores, the prevailing wisdom at the time was that computers, a computer was a purchase that someone would make and it was a big purchase. So they'd drive. So the, the stores didn't need to be in downtown or in the main, like the main street of the city. They could be a little bit out because people would still drive there because it's such an important purchase. It's not an impulse purchase. They knew they were going to make that purchase. And so they could go a little bit out of the city and have lower rents, right? <clears throat> um, 
But Apple, Steve Jobs was like, no, we're going to go on the main street because we're a big company and we're going to act like a big company and a big company has a big store in the main street of the big city. And they did that and then everyone went to the store because there was a cool product or whatever, I don't know. People started going there because they made the stores fucking sick and now everyone sees Apple as a big company because they have these stores. And I'm like, how can I do that with comedy? Like... I should put a bit of work into the staging. When I do these shows out of town, I should put a bit of work into how it looks. I don't think I'm going to do that the first couple times. I want to see what I'm working with, but I don't know. I don't really know how I could do it. Like a backdrop would be nice. Some music, just a way, maybe one of those, this is kind of tacky, but like maybe one of those like banner things that you like, stretch out and pull up so that goes behind you with just like you know the poster of the show or something on it something to be like when people walk into the room because it's a room at a pub so like i'm not going to be able to change much but like when people get there and they walk in i want them to feel like oh this is good you know you impute that it's an important show and it's a good show by having things that an important and good show would have there anyway look i think that's about enough from me man it's been a good week and I feel rested and I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do some of this um, merchandising, branding work that I've been doing. I did a bunch of that today um, and uh, I'm ready to work hard on selling the tickets for these shows and I'm ready to be back in Melbourne for like a good six weeks or so. <sighs> Thank you guys for listening this week, man. If you've enjoyed it, jump on iTunes, RIP Steve Jobs. Give us a five-star review or Spotify, five-star review, and uh, share it to someone who you think might enjoy whatever the fuck this is. Once again, this has been Aiden Jones, sitting under a tree. Peace.